Good morning to you. That's prayer week. Let's try one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, you dads, stand up right where you are, real quick, right, right where you are. Dad, stand up. Like your wife just told you to stand up. There we go. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, dads. To you dads who are tuning in with us online at home with your family, we wish you a happy Father's Day as well. We're very thankful that you've chosen to uh, worship with your family with us today online or on site. We're certainly grateful to have guests with us. We welcome you. It is a little bit more roomy here than it normally is and will be for a few more weeks, but we're glad that you're here. We're also glad that uh, if you are a guest, for you to be tuning in with us online. If you're here on site, you can look at the pew in front of you. You'll find a gray Connect card. If you would take just a couple of seconds, this helps us get to know you a little bit better. We don't uh, send a bunch of catalogs to your house. We won't show up at nap time today or anything else. This just lets us be able to communicate with you this week to thank you for visiting with us. And you can either complete that, uh, that card here or you can go on our website, fbcmilton.org connect and especially if you're online you'd want to do that we would love to have the opportunity to connect with you there there's also a yellow card in your pew it's the next step card and that's also on our website fbcmelton.org slash decision and uh, you will want to have that handy as we get to the end of our service if there are decisions you need to make you can indicate those decisions on that card, and you can, uh, when you leave here today, you can drop those in the, the boxes we have set up, or you can bring them to, to me. I'll be over at the next step station after the service here in the sanctuary in the foyer area, so hope that you'll take part in that. We've had a lot of conversations this week, a lot of things, of course, you know, things are still uh, odd and awkward and difficult, and sometimes we can think, well, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next? We hear a dust storm is coming. It's bringing with it like these large larva moths that eat people or something like that. I don't know. But a lot of things that are happening. But there are also some good conversations that we are having this week. One of those good conversations I had this week involved me speaking with a young lady. Her name's Ashley. And uh, Ashley began to visit our Wednesday night ministry right before coronavirus, COVID shut us down for a few weeks. And she had started to bring her children. And we had interesting dialogue dialogue this week, and, and she was baptized as an infant, but has come to realize that that baptism didn't really mean anything because she did not have a relationship with Christ at that time. But since then, a couple of years ago, she came into a relationship with Christ, and she's placed her faith in Christ, and she desires today to show her commitment to the Lord by taking part in believer's baptism, which is something that we do as an outward symbol of what God has done inside of us. We also have baby child dedication 
invitation uh, today. And despite what some of you think, I cannot be in both of those places at the same time. And so I've asked our associate pastor, Randy Jackson, to uh, participate in Ashley's baptism. And we'll celebrate that with her this morning. We're so very thankful for that and thankful that Ashley made that decision. Uh, we will be praying for her. Of course, uh, also uh, during throughout the year, we, we like to pause and celebrate births. Our nursery is bustling, and, and we're thankful for that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bustling even some more over the next several months. And that's, I, I went back. I didn't preach through Song of Solomon or anything. I don't know what, what exactly was going on, but uh, we've just uh, had, a, had a wonderful time. And I'm going to ask our children's minister, Ms. Judith Coley, to introduce this young couple that I have uh, grown to love and appreciate, and we will uh, take part in the dedication of their child today. Good morning, church, and happy Father's Day. Um, I am pleased to be able to introduce you to Michael and Mallory Suggs and their sweet, precious little daughter, Lorelei. Um, they are... Um, dedicating this is not just a child dedication this is a parent child dedication because this is about the parent saying we are dedicating our lives to love the lord our god with all of our heart soul and strength and then in turn impress those things upon our child and so i got an opportunity to meet with them earlier this week um, or last week and um, we got to share testimonies they shared about how they had come to know christ and we talked about what it means to love him, to know him, to obey him, and to glorify him. And so today is just a symbol of them saying, we want to do everything we can to be the spiritual leaders of our child. That way, one day when she grows up, she too can know the Father as they do. We're so very thankful to take part in this and understand, always make it very clear that uh, this is a dedication ceremony. We are in no way conferring any kind of spiritual standing for Lorelai before the Lord. Uh, she's already been a blessing to her family, but when she comes of age, she will make that decision to trust Jesus. This is not, uh, we're not conferring any kind of salvation into her life uh, right now. This is a, simply a time where her parents, Michael and Mallory, will come and dedicate her. And it's also a chance where I'm asking you as a church family to make some commitments to them. We especially want to pray for Lorelai because her daddy is a deacon, her grandfather's a deacon, her great-grandfather's a deacon. She has got a tough road to go. <laughs> and I say that being a deacon kid and a preacher kid, same fella, uh, myself. So, Michael and Mallory, I want to ask you a series. In fact, I want to ask you five questions. And these are five commitments that you two will make for Lorelai before the Lord. And you keep looking at me like that. I'm taking you home. Uh, and these are, these, are, these are dedications and commitments you make before your church family and before God. I would first ask you, and I'll just ask all five of these in succession, but I want to be sure that you hear each one. The first commitment we're asking is that will you do your best to raise this child to honor, revere, and love Jesus Christ? The second commitment we're asking is, will you do your best to maintain a home where Christ is honored and his example of serving others is followed? 
The third question we're asking is, will you commit this child to God in prayer on a regular basis, trusting God to override your mistakes and to make up for your parental shortcomings, which we all have? Number four, will you actively rely on the Holy Spirit as you raise this child and trust the Spirit to incline his or her heart to the Lord? And number five, will you do your best to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ so that this child has godly examples to follow? Michael and Mallory, will you make these commitments to Lorelei and to the Lord before your church family today? Church family, I want to ask you, as a family of faith, that's providing a spiritual surrounding for this precious family, would you be willing to commit to pray for Lorelai, to commit to pray for her parents, Michael and Mallory, as they seek to raise this child to serve Jesus? Will, will you commit to being in prayer for this baby as she grows into the young woman that God has already created her to be? Will you pledge yourself to come alongside this family and to be a part of providing some practical support to them as they move through the preschool, children, and student ministries here at this church? If that would be your commitment as a church to this family, would you let me know by saying amen? Amen. amen. We're certainly thankful for that. We have a certificate and some resources for them that we'll be giving to them. And today we're very thankful that they have made this process of dedication. Let's give them a hand. Let me pray for them. I'll pray for us. And then after I pray, we're going to stand and worship the Lord on this Lord's Day. Father, I'm so thankful that Michael and Mallory have taken this a step making this decision to place this baby in your arms. We know that they have done that from even before she was born. But now, God, they do that publicly here before their church family. Father, I pray for them as, as they grow as a family, as Lorelai uh, grows and as she matures and as she goes through all the stages and phases of life. She's already been such a blessing to many people and I know that she'll continue to be that blessing. I pray that your hand of blessing and favor would be upon them. Father, as we now gather and focus upon how good you are to us, I pray that we would give you worship that only you were worthy of. Help us to do that from a pure heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.
Praising my Savior. 
want to invite you to take your Bible and look at me in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is going to jump back into our series in the beginning where we are seeing how we can encounter the goodness of God from this first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And this morning for a few minutes we'll be in Genesis chapter 12, the first few verses of this chapter. In fact, we're actually going to spend a few weeks looking at the life of a man who is introduced to us in this chapter, and that man's name is Abram. It later became Abraham, and it's really it's really difficult to overestimate the importance of Abraham's life. And in fact, the, the three major religions of this world, uh, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, all three claim Abraham as one of our founders. He, it's very difficult to overestimate. And it's actually kind of fitting that we start this series on Father's Day because if, if you uh, grew up in church, or maybe if you went to a, a Bible school as a kid, or if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you probably learned that song, uh, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, honk, honk, rattle, rattle, crash, bang, bang. I, I'm sorry, I got my songs mixed up. I'm going back into the, it's a Ford, oh, it's a Ford. So it's kind of a collusion of, uh, of a collision <laughs> of delusion. Uh, so Abraham is is this, this man that that occupies a lot of real estate in Scripture, and so we're going to spend a, a few weeks thinking through his life. And in fact, when his story began, things don't seem to be going too well. The, the name Abram means father, but when we're introduced to him, he's lived about three quarters of a century, and he has no children. And so God will change his name from Abram to Abraham. Abram means the father, and Abraham means the father of many. And when God changes his name to Abraham, guess how many kids he has? I give you a hint, it's less than one. Three people are listening this morning. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun time. Zero. When his name is changed to father of many, he has zero children. So we're going to look at his life, and we're going to see how it is a, a great picture of faith as, as he leaves everything he knows to go into the unknown. That's the title of our message this morning, Into the Unknown. My daughter's been a little bit nervous that I was going to use this opportunity to sing that song from Frozen 2, you know, where it starts off, oh, that one. <laughs> She's a little bit nervous, and I kept telling her, Cam, you got to let it go, let it go. And uh, so, I, baby, that's all I'm going to do right there. Yeah, she's, she's red enough. She'll be moving her membership. Y'all take her at Pine Terrace next week, okay? She'll be coming to Pine Terrace next week. So uh, as, as Abraham's story begins, uh, he, he seems to be kind of helpless. It, it seems as if God has, has destined him for something, but he's far from experiencing it. I mean, the promise is wrapped up in his name, Father, and he has no children. 
How many of us have been there in our lives where it almost seems like life is mocking us? Nothing is happening to make our God-given destiny a reality. God has purposed our life to have significance, but as you look around you, you don't see it happening just yet. Abraham is going to have to walk a path of significance. He's going to have to walk a path of obedience. He's going to have to walk a, a path of faith that takes him from where he is to where God wants him to be. So it is with us. Now, before we jump in and look at his life, we need to understand what's happening right before it. Before we get to Genesis chapter 12, we see in Genesis chapter 11, this Tower of Babel and how this, this tower was as a couple of weeks ago. We studied that a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning, that that tower symbolized man's independence from God. It symbolized the rejection of man to God, and so God confuses the, the language, God disperses the people, and it's from Genesis 11, as that chapter ends off, things are in a very dark place. These family, uh, these people that have been one family have now begun to spread out all over the face of the earth to where we have all the different nations who speak all the different languages. In fact, as Genesis chapter 11 ends, there is one family who is of a godly descent. That is the descendants of one of Noah's sons, his son Shem. And that family lineage is the only hope that the people of God have. Well, if you look at Shem's uh, ancestry at his lineage, he has a son uh, whose name is Terah, and Terah has a son whose name is Abraham, but the problem is Abraham has no son. It appears as if with Abraham's death, the light will be extinguished. But then we read Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse." And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In the midst of this great darkness, God called a man who had no real identity, who had no real future, and he tells this man he will make him into a great nation of people who will worship and follow God, and they will, they will bless the whole earth through his family. Now understand this, this promise in Genesis chapter 12, this is the same promise that you and and I have inherited. Here's why we say that. One of the descendants of Abraham, as we go generation to generation, one of his descendants is a man named Jesus Christ. And in Christ, God offered salvation to the whole world, and we who are now in Christ are given the charge that was given to Abraham. We are charged to be a blessing to the world by taking 
taking the news of Jesus to all families in the world. Well, here's something interesting, a little seminary nerdy note. It's when you get to the Gospel of Matthew, and you notice uh, Matthew's Gospel is, of course, the Gospel that gives us the clearest explanation of the Great Commission as Matthew ends. But if you look at how Matthew's Gospel begins, it begins with the lineage of Jesus, and it traces his lineage through Abraham. I believe what Matthew was telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that the great commission that we are given as followers of Jesus is an extension of the promise to Abraham. Therefore, Abraham's promise is our promise. His experience is to serve as a model to us of our experience. So with that being said, let's look at three things that were crucial for Abraham as he took this journey into the unknown. There were lessons that were true for him. They are lessons that are true for us. The first one is this. Following God requires full and complete surrender. Following God requires full and complete surrender. I want to ask you a question. I want you not to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about this question, and I want you to answer it for your own life. The question is this. Who is really the Lord of your life? Who is really in control of your life? Is it you, or is it God? Have you offered to God your life with no restrictions, no limitations, without any reservations? Notice the command God gave to Abraham. It was intentionally open-ended. God said, go to the land I will show. Now, what's interesting about that is that God says, excuse me, God says, go. That's the only thing God tells him to do in the present Everything else is a promise of what God will do. He said, Abraham, you go and I will. You go and I will show you this. I will make you this. When it comes to following God, most of us, if we'll be honest, we would have to admit that we have trouble not fully following God in faith. Many of us, we want to know the consequences of our action, of our steps of faith before we take those steps of faith. Some of us want to know exactly where God is going to take us before we'll follow, but that doesn't require faith. And following God always demands faith. I want you to hear me this morning to understand this truth about God. God has no desire to be the passenger in your life. God has no desire to be your GPS, to offer you suggestions. You know what it's like when you know where there's somewhere to go. You you ever do, you, you turn your GPS for the express purpose of beating it Yeah, don't look at me like that. You know you do it. (laughs) And the GPS may tell you to go one way, but you're like, I've been here a hundred times. I know which way I'm going. So you go the opposite way. And what happens? The GPS recalibrates, right? God's not a GPS. God's not interested in taking your suggestions about what he should do in your life. 
and then recalibrating based on things that the decisions that you make in life. God doesn't come to you asking for suggestions. God seeks total surrender. You see, we become consumed with the what of God's will. Instead, we ought to be consumed with the who of God's will. I'm going to repeat that. We are oftentimes concerned with the what of God's will. What does God want? What does God want? Instead, maybe our concern should be the who of God's will. Let's just follow God. Let, 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 let's just go as God calls us to go. Go where? I don't know, but let's just follow God. Following God requires full and complete surrender. Abraham followed God with that type of surrender. Will we do the same? Lesson number two is this. Following God then produces a new sense of security in your life. It produces a new basis for your security. God did not ask Abraham to carve out one part of his life. God didn't ask Abraham to add a slice or two of God into his life. God was calling for Abraham's complete devotion to form a completely new basis and foundation for his life. Now, we have to think about this from Abraham's perspective. In Abraham's day and in Abraham's culture, the security that you had in life was tied to your family and your land. Basically, for Abraham, relatives and real estate, that was it. Your security was tied up with your relatives and your real estate. And what does God ask him to do? He says, leave your relatives. Now, some days that doesn't sound too bad, does it, for some of our families, he says, leave your relatives and leave your land. Go away from everything that you know. Here's what I want you to think about. For us, it may not be, for me, it's not relatives or real estate because every move I've made in ministry, I've made further away from my family. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of real estate tied up anywhere. And that may not be your case, but I want you to think, what is it in your life that's the source of your security. What is it that without it, you don't think you would make it? Whatever that is, that source of security, that is what Abraham is laying down. Because here's what Abraham discovered. When he laid down what he thought he needed for security, he found himself receiving a security from God, and it formed a new basis for his life. Are you willing to give up that which you look to for security that is outside of God so that you can have real and lasting security in your relationship with God? This is what Abraham is doing. Abraham is offering full and complete surrender to follow God. And, and, and as he does that, God gives him a new basis for his security. But here's the third lesson that we learn. Following God provides an opportunity to be a blessing. I want to camp here for just a second. This is something that's, that's, that's close to my heart that I'm passionate about. We tend to think 
and maybe it's because of the way we were raised, maybe it's because of the culture in which we live, we have been led to believe that anything in life that we want, we have to go get. That's not to negate the value of hard work. I mean, if you're going to make good grades in school, you're going to have to study. Always, I always I had a teacher in high school who was like, uh, if, if you're just praying for God to give you an A, it ain't going to happen if, uh, if and that's not going to just happen automatically. You know, you, you got to put the work in. But we become conditioned to believe that everything in life that we get is ours. But I'll tell you what, when God created Adam and Eve, you know what it says? After he created them, it says very simply, and he blessed them. They didn't do anything to earn that blessing. They were created by God. They were just created, poof, there they were, and God blessed them. Abraham has not done anything tremendously significant at this point. He's been called to leave it all, but he has yet to take one step to follow God. And look at what verse 2 tells us. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? Not so that you can have a great name, but so you will be a blessing. My point is this. Abraham was called to first receive the blessing of God. Not earn it, but receive the blessing of God. And then he was called to be a blessing from God. And you see, when you follow God, when you follow Christ with complete surrender, when you find your security in the relationship with Him, it enables you to view everything in your life as something that God can use to advance His kingdom on this earth. Scripture constantly teaches us this truth. God is a rich giver, and as a good father, he loves to give gifts to his children. But hear me, God does not bless you just so you can enjoy those blessings. God blesses you with the intention that you offer those blessings back to God so that he can multiply those blessings in the lives of others. Let me show you a verse in 2 Corinthians. It should be on your screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Look at what Paul says. God blesses you so that you can multiply that blessing. God enriches your life so you can be generous in the lives of others. As followers of Jesus, if we follow him as Abraham did, we are called to take whatever we have, whether it's a season of prosperity or a season of pain. We are called to offer all that we have to God so God can leverage it for his own glory. You are blessed to be a blessing. My question to you is, are you? Are you seeking to be a blessing 
in someone else's life. You see, Abraham basically, as his story opens up for us, he has two choices, and we do too. You can hold on to what you have, and you'll end up empty. Or you can offer what you have to God with full surrender, and he will fill your life. You see, following God means that we go into the unknown, but it also means that we're able to trust a God who is not unknown. We're able to trust a God that can be known. What Abraham was asked to do, and what he did through some ups and downs that we'll see over the course of the next few weeks, Jesus would later do perfectly. Abraham was told to go. Jesus was asked to go out alone, leaving his father's house, a place of real security. Jesus was asked to go into the unknown, and he did so gladly. He did so for you, and he did so for me. Jesus became homeless, and he became fatherless so that we could have a real home, not in this world, but in the world to come, and so we could have an eternal heavenly Father who loves us in a greater way than we'll ever be able to comprehend or to realize. When you understand, listen, when you understand that the one who is calling you to follow him is the one who left everything for you, you will have the courage to leave it all for him. You can let go this morning of your insecurities for him because you have security in him. In Christ, I can let go of all that I have because in Christ I find all that I need. And his sacrifice for me becomes my motivation to sacrifice for him. So I very simply want to ask you this morning, have you left your sin to follow this Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you came to the realization that you were a sinner? When you came to the understanding that this Jesus who loves you lived the life that you cannot live? Do you understand this morning that he died on a cross for your sins? And that today he offers you salvation, not through anything you will do other than simply responding to his grace. Scripture calls Jesus a good God, our good father. Is he your father today? Because as good as dads on this earth are, as much as we love them and appreciate them, I'm not going to be an eternal dad but the Lord Almighty is. And if you don't have a relationship with him today, you can. So here's how we're going to close our time. We'll have our invitation again in this uh, physically distanced way. 
If there's a decision you need to make for the Lord today, if it's a decision to be saved, if you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart, if you've got questions about that, if it's a question of, of your baptism, as we saw that celebrated this morning, or your decision to make First Baptist a part of your family of faith from which God will use you to do ministry and mission, whatever it is that God's called you to do. If you're watching online, you go online and you find a link there that you can make that decision. You're here on campus. There is a, a yellow card in your pew. You make, you make a note on that card of what your decision is. When this service is over, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be dismissed. And when this service is over, I'm going to be standing at a desk that's on my right. As you leave, that'll be on your right as well. It has the word next step on it. I'll be there, and I would love to have the opportunity to talk with you about the next step that you need to make or just to meet you if you are our guest today. We're so very thankful that you chose to spend this time with us, and we're still getting you out of here in time to beat the Presbyterians to the buffet line. So you're welcome on this Father's Day. I'm playing. I love Presbyterians and Methodists too. Uh, but uh, w again, we're so glad that you came and spent this time with us in worship. We're so thankful for those who tuned in online with us today. Before we are dismissed, Mr. Tommy Crutchfield is going to come and lead us in our benediction, our closing prayer. And as he comes to today, let me remind you of our service resuming on Wednesday. Uh, this coming Wednesday, 6 p.m., there'll be a place for you. So we hope that you'll come and find your place there. As you leave today, if you brought your offering, you will see uh, receptacles that are available for you to put that offering in. Again, if you're our guest and if you have filled out that gray card that lets us know a little bit more about you, just drop that in that box as you leave. Or if you just want to come look at my face anymore, you're tired of me, then you've made a decision, just drop that and I'll follow up with you this week. But know that we're here to serve you any way that you can. God bless you, Mr. Tommy. You come and we hope to see you in your place of worship again very soon. I want to wish everyone a happy Father's Day and, and God bless us all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to, to you giving you praise and glory for everything. Lord, I pray for our law enforcement, first responders, firefighters, our military, and their leaders. Lord, please be with the people on our prayer list and in the hospitals. Lord, we know you are the greatest God of all. Lord, you are the light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, we thank you for the message Brother Jonathan brought us today. Have us apply it to our lives. Lord, please keep our eyes on you. Lord, without you, there's nothing. Lord, please have us return at the next appointed time. And I pray all these things in your precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.